Welcome to Book Talk. I'm your host, Anthony Moirore. At Book Talk, we get to have an author come and tell us about his book or her book. And today we have a special guest with us. And the book that we are going to be discussing is known as Hope Became the Enemy. And the author that I'm going to bring into this program right now is known as Julie Hammond. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's an honor to have you on our show and uh, to discuss about the book that you've written. But before we go into the book, we would like to know a bit about you. Where are you from? I mean, tell us a bit. Okay, so I, I was born in a very small village in um, a county called Essex in England. Okay. Where I grew up. Um, and then later on, I, I, I moved around the country a bit. So I've lived in Nottingham and I've lived in London. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to go on an adventure to Turkey. So mm. I trained to be an English teacher and off yeah. I went. And, um, and that's where my novel is based. It's set in Turkey. Oh, okay. We are going to hear stories of Turkey. And that's uh, right. about yeah. more, more about you in the book. Now, your book is known as Hope Became the Enemy. Why the title? Well, um, the main theme in the book is domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. And so the, the title is because it's, it's not as simple as people, domestic abuse is not as simple as people think. Mm-hmm. I always used to think, oh, if, if, if someone shouted at me, if someone slapped me, that's it, I would go, no more. Mm-hmm. But the, the truth of it is, if you, you love a person, you want yeah. to believe they can change. If they mm-hmm. apologize, if they make promises, you listen and you keep mm-hmm. hoping, you keep hoping. Yes, this is the last time. This is the last time, this time it, things are going to get better. Okay. And in the end, that stops you leaving. That hope stops you leaving. And so that's why it's called Hope Became the Enemy. Okay. Is this from experiences that you've had in your life uh, that you share these uh, stories? Yes, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not an autobiography. Mm-hmm. But it's inspired by my story and also by the stories of other women that I, I have met okay. during my travels in Turkey. Oh. Would you like to share with us your story about uh, this and the domestic? Uh, okay, definitely we are going to read it in, in the novel, yes. but you'd like us to know a bit about it even before we get and get uh, we go to get the novel. Can I tell you why I, why I wrote the novel? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, my, my, I lost my mum when I was 14, and oh. when I got a bit older, okay. I always wished mm-hmm. that, she, that I had known more about her life. Mm-hmm. I, knew she had, I knew she had been evacuated out of London during the Second World War. I knew that she had been married before she married my father, but I didn't mm-hmm. know any details. I knew that she had lost a brother in the war, mm-hmm. and, I, and no one could tell me her story. My dad knew a little bit, my aunt knew a little bit. But I wish she had written it all down so that one day I could have read it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought this, I thought I will write down my story, my, like my adventures, my life in Turkey. So one mm-hmm. day when my children are ready, they can read them. Uh-huh. Because I had a lot of adventures, a lot of fun times. And mm. you, never, you never sit down for hours and hours talking about yourself with yeah. anyone mm-hmm. and so it's i thought it was quite nice so i wrote a memoir and i kept it saved on my on my laptop 
Okay. And then one day I was, I'm, I'm really interested in watching TED Talks. Ah. So I was on TED Talks and I came mm -hmm. across the author, Chimamanda Adichie. Mm -hmm. Do you know this author, Nigerian oh, yeah. author? She's from Nigeria. Yes, that's right. And mm -hmm. she was talking about the danger of a single story. Mm -hmm. And so she was the danger she was talking about, um, she, the single story she had as a child reading books that contained only white children. Mm. And then a single story she had of her houseboy who she thought everyone talked about him, that he was poor. And she, so she had only thought about him as being a poor boy and nothing more. And yeah. then when she went to his family, she saw that his family were creative and hardworking and more than just that single story. Mm. So this, this kind of got me thinking because I know also when people think about um, domestic abuse victims, they also just have a single story in their mm. head. They mm -hmm. think somebody lacking in confidence, somebody uneducated, um, somebody possibly who's suffered abuse when they're younger, so they don't know how to deal with it. They've got the, but in fact, they are every, every person, every abuse victim has a different story. Mm -hmm. And they can be, they can range from, the people can range from someone who's been to university, studied master, studies PhD on sort of one hand, and then also sort of an unemployed person who's who's not very well educated. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. It's mm -hmm. it can happen to anybody. And I yeah. and I wanted to tell my story because mm -hmm. I thought maybe I could help break this idea of this this single story that people have. <clears throat> so <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Okay. So that sort of got me thinking. Mm -hmm. I, I thought I, I, it, there's no point in me um, publishing my memoir. I'm not someone famous who would want to read a, my memoir. So yeah. I thought I thought I, I'm, I will write a s story, but use some of my experiences to help people learn about domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, how, that's how the story began. Okay, and it's good that we know from your perspective and you know there are many people out there in the world who only hear about this story and as you put it from other people who have experienced it and it's also good not to hear just from one source but to hear from yes. several sources and so you bring your perspective here which you are going to give us a glimpse of and um you may help someone out there deal better with uh, whatever he or she is going through because and i say he or she because it's not just one-sided in what i no, believe no. it's not one-sided no definitely not definitely. yeah so um you got married in turkey yes but I, I i didn't some people think maybe i did the typical thing and i went out on holiday and i and i met a waiter and i fell in love and, wow. and went back to Turkey, but that's not how it happened. I oh, I wanted I wanted to teach English, and okay. I wanted to travel. Yeah. And so once I trained to become an English teacher, mm -hmm. I applied to several countries around the world, and mm -hmm. I got an offer from a school in Turkey. Yeah. And so that that's why I went, and mm -hmm. I was there for about three years, and I travelled a lot. I met a lot of people, had a lot of um, funny experiences, also some scary experiences for example i with a female friend an american friend mm -hmm. um decided to go to a football match 
in the city where we were living. Mm -hmm. We hadn't given it much thought. We just thought it would be a fun thing to do on a Saturday afternoon. Mm. And when we got into the stadium, we sat down and we looked around and we realized we were the only females in that stadium. Interesting. <laughs> so it felt a bit tense and we felt a lot of eyes on us, but we, we watched the match and then the match finished. And then as we went to go out, it, it turned into a nightmare mm. because we was crushed on all sides by men trying to put their hands everywhere. Ooh. We couldn't do anything but just try and shout with a few Turkish. We didn't know much Turkish at the time, just, you know. And it was a really, really scary experience. And we had yeah. to, we had to realize then that we were not in the UK or in the, in the United States anymore. We were in a different culture and yeah. that we had to be careful and follow some of the rules oh. that the, you know, that are set there. <laughs> now that I hear of that. I want to imagine that uh, it's different wherever you go. I mean, you've got to learn the environment, <laughs> like, but it's the hard way that you learned it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because I, I know in places, I come from Kenya myself, and um, I am right here in Greece right now. And what you mentioned is that, I mean, the way you put it, I've experienced that way back in Kenya, you could... Uh, I mean, people could uh, fight, they could do anything. But when I come to Greece, people can only shout, but nobody can touch you. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it's it's different. So when you yeah. mentioned that you've come from uh, England and go to Turkey, when every, I mean, they, they can do anything they, and they are free to do anything they want with you, we can picture it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that was a horrible experience to you. I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was it was a horrible experience, and um, there were so many things that were different there, and that and I that's what kind of made it exciting as well to, yeah. to be living there. So even even the different idea about um, you know meeting someone and getting married was also mm -hmm. really surprising to me. There, I had offers of marriage from men that I didn't know really that I you know at like first meeting just because mm. they considered me to be the right person because of my education or because of my job okay oh yeah it, it was it was very very interesting so another story that I can tell you is I I was in the south of Turkey on the Mediterranean coast mm -hmm. And it was winter time, so sort of about this time of year. And so in the daytime, lovely and warm, but in the evenings and nighttime, really cold. So mm -hmm. again, I was with my American friends, so we, we would sort of go out and about in the daytime. And in the evenings, when it started getting cold, we'd find a restaurant that had a nice fire burning. Mm -hmm. And we'd sit there and eat and chat and drink and, and until we were ready to go back to our hotel. And we found one particular restaurant that we re that we really liked, and we kept going back. And then, probably on about the fourth evening, one of the waiters came across to me mm. and handed me a bouquet of flowers, and uh, and just said to me, um, "My boss would like to know if you would marry him." <laughs> and I was I was I thought, "Is is this a joke?" I I hadn't even spoken to <laughs> to the boss, but. He had just observed me and thought I was suitable. Uh -huh. And uh, 
and decided he, you know, he would ask. And you said no. <laughs> now, how did you come to meet with your the love of your life, the one that you got married to? Um, I had gone across to um, the west of Turkey on a holiday. I was meeting two friends who were coming across from Ireland. Okay. We, all, we were all staying in a hotel together. Mm. And uh, one evening in the hotel, they did like a Turkish night. And we were having a great time. We were, you know, we were eating, there was music and dancing. And then about halfway through the evening, a bottle of champagne arrived at our table. Mm. And um, my, by this point, my Turkish was quite good. And I said to the waiter, we didn't order this, this isn't ours. He said, no, no, it's, it's a gift from someone. Mm -hmm. And I said, who from? And he said, ah, they, they don't want to say, but they would like you to accept this gift. Okay. The three of us, we drank the champagne and then another one arrived. Mm -hmm. And this time I said, no, this time we, we are, sorry, if you can't reveal who is paying for the champagne, then I'm afraid we don't want to drink it. Mm -hmm. And then the waiter came back with a note saying, please, please don't upset me, please accept this gift. Mm -hmm. So we started to drink the, the second bottle of champagne and then the music changed to slow music. And then this very tall, handsome man appeared mm -hmm. and asked me to dance. And, uh, and that's where it began. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> he was Turkish? Yes, he was. Okay. He was Turkish. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. And um, a family began from at, at some point from that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. we, we we met each other a few times, and then the school holidays began, so I could move to that part of the of Turkey for a little while. Mm -hmm. And um, and then something. I I don't want to reveal too much of what's in my book, really. But then yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> we understand. We want to go and get it. Yeah. <laughs> he he had been married before, and his ex-wife was part of the Turkish Mafia. Okay. And she was upset by a relationship. And so mm -hmm. things got very, very tricky for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to leave and return to England for a while. Mm. And, and, and we had said goodbye. That, that was it. We had said goodbye. Mm -hmm. Because it, it was just, it, it was it was really quite dangerous. And it just, um, it just was not going to. Okay. So, did you have any children at some point? Yes, I have How three children. You? I've got three. Three children. Yeah. So, at what point did things turn south? I mean, like so, he changed and uh, things uh, started to happen. You know, I mean, the, the experiences that you would like. Uh, to... As as soon as my first, as soon as my first daughter was born, really. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's uh, when things began to change. Um what was happening that uh, i mean i mean you didn't like or that what did you experience the the, the the negative things that you experienced um extreme mood changes mm -hmm. and so one minute everything's fine the next minute he was so so angry mm -hmm. and then because of a couple a couple of times he had become violent 
Mm. Every time he got angry, I had the fear that that, that, could, that could happen again. Mm. And so, so violence, like um, maybe beating you, or if, you, if you're comfortable with beating you, and uh, um, things, things like that? Yes, a, 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 a couple of times, like trying to strangle me, mm. um, broken glass in my face, mm. knife. Mm -hmm. Quite often it was um, threats more than action. Okay. But always, I, I always believed it could go mm. very wrong. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you believe that it, it could go. And uh, from where we started and sharing about the danger of a single story, would like to know, apart from just believing that it could go, what else do you think that it uh, that kept you still there and having another child and another child and things were still not going right? What else could you do you think could have contributed you to not taking an action and uh, and moving on? I think because we were in love, mm. and I knew I knew he had experienced some difficulties. As, as a child and he was trying to work through them mm. and and so it, and he would always apologize and he would always um he would, would always promise not to, to do it something like that again and i think i think once when you've met someone and when you've got married and you've had a, have a child or had children you have invested so much mm. in that relationship mm -hmm. that you want it to work yeah and so you do everything to make it work and it these these things weren't happening every day mm -hmm. you know something would happen and then it may be months we may live months and months of being you know happy and going out together you know with our children and so it, you know it wasn't a constant oh every night i'm afraid to come home something mm -hmm. might happen mm -hmm. that that but, makes sense it makes sense now, and so each time okay yeah yeah, each time you, you think, oh, that that's it then. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's over. We, we, we sorted it out. We talked about it. It's over. Mm -hmm. And then something else would happen. And again, you would talk about it. And mm -hmm. then and then towards the last two or three years, it became much more frequent. Mm. And, 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 I, and I really believed that either something could happen to me or something could happen to the children okay and so that's when i decided that it was time to leave at what ages were your children at that point um 16 and 14. oh so they were quite some uh, i mean they, they they'd grown quite some yes yes now about the violence and the abuse that was coming from husband do you think it has a relation with the kind of culture that he grew up in like you gave us an example of uh, the violence that you experienced at the football pitch um, you know pe people quite often have said that to me well of yeah. course you know you married a turk what mm. did you expect mm -hmm. but I, I i suppose culture plays a part mm. but you have to think uh, i think the World Health Organization say that one in three women in the world will experience abuse in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. And one in five in Europe. 
So this is not something about the culture. This can happen mm. in any culture, okay. in any country. So, mm. and I have many friends who are happily married to Turkish men and Turkish men who are happily married to, you know, English women. It, it can work. Mm. Those, those, those statistics are quite high. Do you think that uh, there are a lot of people who are undergoing some abuse um, in their families, in their relationships, and they are quiet so that we don't hear of it? I think so. I think, I think there is still a stigma attached. Mm -hmm. Because I, I feel it. If I, if I ever say to someone, yes, I, I'm a, a survivor of mm -hmm. domestic abuse, mm -hmm. people will say, well, or maybe they don't say anything, but I see, I see something change in their eyes. I see maybe less respect. Mm -hmm. uh, you let that happen to you, I wouldn't let that happen to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've had friends giving me examples of how they've been down the pub and a man's been rude or abusive towards them, verbally abusive, and how they've come back and, and said something. They, they are trying to, I feel they are trying to show to me that I was weak because I didn't do that. Mm. And so I think, so I think people don't want to say anything because they, they feel, fear that reaction. Mm -hmm. Now about what exactly is in your book, you share your stories, the experiences that you had, the abuse, maybe some grocery scenes you give us. I don't know. We'll find that out. And, um, I guess, do you also share ways, I mean, some experiences or some advices uh, of getting out or dealing with it? It doesn't, my, my story doesn't go into the, the healing side because obviously that comes okay. much later and, and hope became the enemy doesn't go as far as that. Mm. Hope become the enemy is a story of a young woman traveling in Turkey, having fun, having adventures, falling in love. And then experiencing this shocking change that happens to her husband every now and then for, for seemingly no mm -hmm. reason. But obviously, if you were to ask his story, maybe he would have, a, you know, a different story to me, obviously, from his perspective. Yeah, everyone has his own story. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. but, but as far as I was concerned, it was um, just quite, quite random. And so mm -hmm. something I couldn't prepare for. Mm -hmm. I did think for a very long time, I thought there was a link to alcohol. Okay. I, had, I hadn't read this, but I think somewhere I had heard that when you drink alcohol, it makes some chemical changes in your brain. Mm -hmm. And every time any kind of anger or violence happened, there, he had always been drinking. Mm. So not necessarily lots, maybe even just one drink. Okay. And so I thought, is there a, maybe there is a link. And I, and I always had this in my head, oh, it's because of the alcohol. Mm. And so it became, if I, if I saw him with a glass of alcohol in his hand, I would tense up because I thought, oh, he's drinking and mm. that could mean something bad. But when I came back to England, I read a book. I think it was called, I think it was called, Why Does He Get So Angry? And in that book, it said, no, there, there is no chemical change caused by mm -hmm. alcohol. 
-hmm. But what does happen is it becomes an excuse. So that okay. violent person can say, I'm really sorry I did that. It's because I drank. I won't drink so much again. Mm. And it becomes like a reason for them. But in actual fact, there is no chemical change that happens in the brain. Oh, yeah. We, it's important we know that because we've had so many stories of, uh, of violence that have been linked to alcohol abuse and um, use of drugs. So, mm -hmm. but, but now you mentioned you talk about alcohol maybe drugs have another chemical reaction that causes that but uh, yeah. maybe that's something that we'll find out and we will be waiting for you to write book two from the research. I, I have started, I, oh, have started. started. Yes. <laughs> I guess this is where the healing is going to be included the way to get out the way to I mean how to get out how how to heal I believe it's yeah. there yeah, yes, it will be. It will, it will all be there. Okay. <laughs> but not I'll in just one book. We'll be waiting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the book is in the publishers and it's going to be out. For those of you who are listening, thank you very much for being here and those who are going to listen later after we are through with the interview. Uh, the book is going to come out on April 26th but you can pre-order it on amazon and you can follow julie she's going to tell us where you can find her so that you can follow her and get to know when the book is coming out yeah so this book whom would you like to read um i would like i i, I feel that mostly women will read it but i would like I would like men to read it too because I think it's a it's an insight to how sometimes small actions can cause great big emotions in you know inside inside a, a woman's head maybe you know things that they haven't sort of considered before. Mm -hmm. Oh, wonderful! So anybody can go and get the book once you can pre-order it so that it comes to your kindle uh, app once it's uh, released or you can get connected to julie and get the hard copy once they are out of the publishers so julie we are very honored to have had you here on our show and um but before we go we'd like to you to share something that you'd like us to i mean you think that it's important we know about that novel that may, we may have left out? Um, I think I think what I hope people will understand from my novel yeah. is why it's not easy to just walk out and leave. Mm. That, that, that's that's what I that's what I hope people understand because that's that's I think one of the most frequent questions that I've been asked. Why did you stay so long? Mm. And, we and, that. and I think the answer to that is is in the, in my book. Okay. Mm. So people go and get it, and they are going to yeah know why you stayed that long. Some of what we covered here and. Um, yeah last words before you go i always ask people at book talk to leave us with some words to remember 
not the ones that you've mentioned that like an inspiration an encouragement to someone out there that we will keep on remembering even once we are through with this interview what i'd like to say to like any anyone who's maybe in that difficult situation at the moment and it may not like domestic abuse is not always physical violence mm -hmm. it can be um, emotional and psychological it can be uh, economic and you know financial kind of abuse so sometimes i don't know people may not even realize that they are a victim yeah so I, i'm hoping that through reading my book they will understand what makes someone a victim it isn't it isn't this idea that a woman or a man is cowering in a corner being beaten mm. there are many different ways that you can be, be a victim of um, domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. But one of the, I think one of the, um, one of the important things I, I want people to think about, and it's just, it isn't just about a, a domestic abuse, it's about any kind of abuse. Yeah. Is abuse thrives in silence. The perpetrator is doing it and believing that you will remain silent and not tell anyone, because if you start telling people Mm -hmm. then that abuse cannot continue. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I want. I want people to break the silence. I want them to, you know, I want them to tell their best friend or tell a relative, tell somebody, don't just suffer alone. Because even though when you tell someone, that person may feel a bit of a responsibility, like, you know, should I, how can I help her how, or him? How can I? help them out of this situation but mm. but the victim doesn't need that they need someone just to listen yeah they need someone they know so that if they do one day find that they can get away and leave they know that somebody else knows they can go to that person to, to help mm. to help them yeah and so i think what, this is the most yeah. important thing not to yeah. remain silent yeah and that's what we uh, touched on earlier on we said maybe we have too many people going through the experiences in silence, which could be dangerous to them at some point. So it's always good to speak out. If you're going through some challenges, if you're being abused at home, then it's yeah. good to speak out. Yeah, at least at least if it's one person, just somebody that you can confide in and and, and ask to help for help in, in, in some moment when you really need them to. Yeah. You need, somebody needs to know. There's also, um, I don't know if you know, but 50% of my royalties are going to be donated to Women's Aid, oh. which are a, chari a charity in the UK that provide help, housing, you know, financial help, whatever, whatever help a woman needs if when she is trying to escape from um, domestic abuse. So I will be donating 50% of my royalties to that charity oh that's beautiful so uh, the proceeds from the book sales are going to be donated to the charity that helps other women yes yeah yes that's right. so that's very good of you so uh, at this point i want to thank all the viewers that have been viewing and those who are going to view even the recorded version of this uh, podcast and uh, I want to read two comments from the viewers that have been with us. 
Uh, one is from Mr. John Kafu Enyaga, says, congratulations, Julie, for your courage and coming out of abuse. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the second one is coming from Andy Charles. Julie is wide-eyed and open about her niche. Reality checks are what we need and more of the truth. Thanks. Oh, thank you. That's from Andy. So thank you very much even for those comments. And uh, we really appreciate you, Julie, for being with us on this show. So uh, if uh, people want to follow up with you, where do they get to connect with you? I have a website, which is juliemhammond.com. Mm -hmm. So people can uh, find me there. I, I also I also have a, a blog there. Yeah. And my blog is uh, people, for people to write stories about um, people who are doing things to help other women uh, all over the world. So any, anybody is welcome to write on that blog, not just me. Anybody mm. can write as a guest. Okay. So I, I encourage people to do that because it's good to have lots of stories about people doing good things in the world. Oh, beautiful. So go follow up with Julie on juliehammond.com connect with her share your stories and uh, yeah that will be good and uh, also uh, get ready for the book that is coming soon yes very soon <laughs> yeah so that's about it for today and we are very honored to have you Judy. thank you thank you very, yes very nice bye 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 Thank you.